Our scripture reading today is taken from Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 1 through 8. And our message today is entitled, Moses' Last Words. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 1 through 8. These are the words that Moses spoke to all Israel beyond the Jordan in the wilderness, in the Arabah, opposite Suf, between Paran and Tophel, Laban, Hazarot, and Desahab. It is 11 days' journeys from Oreb by the way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses spoke to the people of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him in commandment to them. After he had defeated Sihon, the king of the Amorites, who lived in Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, who lived in Ashtaroth and in Edre, beyond the Jordan, in the land of Moab, Moses undertook to explain this law, saying, The Lord our God said to us in Horeb, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to this hill country, the Amorites, and to all their neighbors in the Arabah, in the hill country, and in the lowland, and in the Negev, and by the seacoast, at the land of the Canaanites, and Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river of Euphrates. See, I've set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them and to their offspring after them. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his word. Good morning, everyone. Um, before we start, just say hello to the people around you just one last time. <coughs> uh. 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 So on the second Sunday of 2018... We're going to embark on a series on the book of Deuteronomy. It's going to be about a 12-week sermon series, depending upon how I get through some of these passages. But Deuteronomy is one of those books in the Bible uh, that forms a key to understanding sort of the rest of Scripture. Um, Deuteronomy is probably, when you hear that book, you hear, well, second law. Because Deuto means second and namas means law. You probably have read through Deuteronomy and you've seen some ch chapters talking about laws of cleanliness, uh, laws of relationships, uh, laws of civil, um, of, of, of civil law, uh, laws in terms of ceremonial law. And you, you read through Deuteronomy and you go, okay, I got it. It's a lot of details about how the Israelites lived. But Deuteronomy is one of those books that is key to understanding all of the Old Testament. And in fact, I, I would say, hopefully, one of my goals during this sermon series is to give you a clear idea of the purpose of Deuteronomy. So that when you go back to read from Genesis all the way to Malachi, you would understand the themes that run through all the things that are going on. Now, the book of Deuteronomy, it's called Deuteronomy because it's the second place that we find the Ten Commandments, the first being in Exodus. 
And oftentimes, you know, scholars and even us as lay people will go and say, well, why are there two renditions of the, of the Ten Commandments? One in Exodus 20 and one here in Deuteronomy 6 later on. And the answer to that is we're, we'll see, we'll see. But what's interesting is that if you go to the, the Hebrews, the Hebrew people, and you ask them, what is the name of this fifth book of the Bible? They won't say Deuteronomy. They will say, the name of this book is, these are the words. And you're like, what? The answer is, these are the words. The name of the first book of the Bible is not Genesis. It's in the beginning. Because the way that the, the Hebrew people named their books was simply by the first words or the first sentence or first phrase of each book of the Bible. That's just how they knew it as. It wasn't Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy as you know, my kids sang a couple weeks ago. But for the Hebrew people, they would look at this book, Deuteronomy, and for them, their thinking is not this is a book about laws, but this book is a book about Moses' last words to his people. And so what Deuteronomy does is it frames the ending of the first five books of the Bible, which we call the Torah or the Pentateuch. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. When Jesus refers to the book of the law, he's referring to these five books. When we talk about the books that Moses wrote, we are talking about these five books. When we're talking about the foundation of, of, the, of the Hebrew religion, we're talking about these five books. And Deuteronomy does is that Deuteronomy sort of encapsulates and summarizes all the themes from Genesis all the way up through Deuteronomy. It summarizes the fact that the Lord has created the heavens and earth. It satisfies our, 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 our uh, curiosity about, about the covenant that God made with, with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. It, it satisfies our curiosity, again, of, of Exodus and the Ten Commandments. What are the purpose of these, these laws that the Lord has given to his people? Deuteronomy sets itself up as, as Moses being on the other side of the Jordan, east of the Jordan, as they prepare themselves to take the promised land, the land of Canaan. Remember the backdrop of the story. The Israelites have been brought out of Egypt. They go to the mountain, Mount Sinai or Mount Horeb. God meets them. Give them the Ten Commandments. Give them his words about his promise to, to love them, his promise to be, be, be their God. Remember that the Israelites disobeyed him, making a, a calf, or the, the golden calf, or a God in their own image. And remember the punishment that God laid out, 40 years of wandering in the desert. And that none of these people who have come out of Egypt, except for for Joshua and Caleb, were going to enter into the promised land. So for 40 years, they wandered until that generation had passed on. 
And so here's this new generation on the other side of the Jordan. And they're getting ready to enter into the land that God has promised. But no one on this new generation remembers the promises of God. No one from this new generation can recall what God has had done for them. And so Moses' duty in these last words of his is to remind the people who they are and to remind them what God has promised to give them. So you can think about the book of Deuteronomy as sort of your grandfather who knows he's on his last, last breath. And he looks at you and he says, these are the words I have for you. These are the words I want you to understand about who our God is and what he's going to do. And my desire for you is to listen and to obey. Don't make the mistakes that we made, but be faithful to the God who's been faithful to you. You might not remember this, but Moses himself was deprived of the joy of entering the promised land. When we get to the end of Deuteronomy, you see Moses go up to Mount Nebo. And he's able to, to see the promised land, but God said to him, you cannot enter. And there he, he died. The book of Deuteronomy is a precursor to what the Israelites will do once they enter and conquer Israel, the, land of the, the land of the Palestinians, the land of the Canaanites. And then everything that will happen afterwards. This book is also the key if you read First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, and you, you read the prophets as well. Because the Deuteronomy, that book, is the basis upon which God Himself judges the nations. This is why you've been idolatrous. Go back and read the book of the law. Go back and read Deuteronomy. We know that when there's a revival in the nation of Israel during the, the time of King Josiah, he, he found the book of the law and his heart was broken because he saw that the land of Israel was not obeying God. That's the book that he took, the book of Deuteronomy. And he implemented all the laws that God had commanded through Moses to bring revival in the nation of Israel. And so the book of Deuteronomy it's key for us to understand all the Old Testament. And in so doing, it helps us to understand why Christ has come and what Christ has done. It helps us understand the failure of Israel, but the grace of our Lord God. It helps us to understand why the law was so important, why Jesus had to come to fulfill that law. And it helps us to understand that Jesus' love for us is simply someone who's come to complete what God has shown the people of Israel in the book of Deuteronomy. So my hope for all of you, going through this brief introduction, is that all of you will come to read this book, to enjoy this book, 
to see God's character flow through it, to see his holiness and see our weakness, to see God's graciousness in the midst of our rebellion, in the midst of our rebellion, for God's love for us here is never-ending. So that being said, there are only two things that I want to, to say about this book uh, or about this passage here today. Uh, the first is this, is when Moses is standing there preaching th this message, he is getting his people ready to cross over. And what he wants to do for all of us is he wants us to remember our history and what God has done. When we go through the first chapters of Deuteronomy, what Moses painstakingly does is he goes over all the history of when we left Egypt up into the point of period of time now. And he reminds his people who he is and what he has done. And so for us, one of the, our duties as God's people is to look at the history of what God has been doing in our lives, but look at the history of what God's been doing through Scripture. We live in a time where people have lost their idea of who they are. Our idea of who we are is not where we come from, but our idea of who we are stems from how we feel, stems from what we think of ourselves today. And oftentimes in our society, we don't even have the, the categories to explain who we are. If we were to ask the question to our friends and our neighbors, or ask the questions to ourselves, who are you? Tell me who you are. Tell me what makes you you. Oftentimes, we'll, we'll say the normal things that, that we've been taught. Well, I'm, I'm a male, 35 years old, went to such and such a school, I have such and such a job, I desire to do such and such a thing. But none of that actually satisfies even ourselves. A lot of those answers are simply things that we know that the world wants to know about us. But when we go and ask, well, no, 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 tell me, tell me who you are. Tell me more about yourself. Tell me what makes you, you. Oftentimes there's confusion. And oftentimes you start to understand that when someone asks you that question, you start responding. You sort of respond with whatever stories or narratives that you have about yourself. And you realize how strong those stories and those narratives are in defining who you are. 
There are always key stories in our lives that impact our identity. There are stories about sickness, tragedies in your lives that bring about fear of who you are and, and what you can be. There are stories about successes in your life that give you power to move on. And these narratives and these stories to you are very important to who you are as a person. But something's happened in our society today where stories, even our own stories, have become so deconstructed that even our own stories sometimes don't make sense to us. And then what's happened in our society today here in, in the United States of America and, and even in, in Korea itself is that we used to have one unified story that sort of told us who we were as a nation. We sort of all believed as a nation that, that if we simply worked really hard from whatever country that we came from, we just worked really hard that we can have a decent life. And that narrative and that story carried us along as a nation. But we know that today that that narrative has sort of broke. That there are people from different cultures that come here that feel like no matter how much I work, there's there's something that's not going to allow me to be successful. And we see in our culture today that the cultural wars have, have just been inflamed. And every group has a different narrative or a different story to tell about who they are and their identity. For us as God's people, we need to get our story straight. We, not, we must not allow the stories of this world to impact us in such a way that identifies who we are. But our story is a story about being God's people. And our story is a story about his redemption. And our story is a story of our own personal walk with him and what he has done. What is your story? What has God done? What is your story? What has God done in your family life? What is your story? What is God doing in the history of this church as a part of the greater history of what the Lord is going to do? I know some of you hate history. You're like, this is, history is for old people. Or history is for people who just want to reminisce and talk about the good old days. Or histories are about facts that no one really cares about. Or you might remember your history classes and all you, you feel like all you'd ever done was memorize dates and events. You're like, well, what's the purpose of this? And if you were standing here on the other side of the Jordan before you enter in, and you're hearing Moses give basically three sermons 
in his first sermon, he simply recites the history. You might be the ones whose eyes just glaze over. <laughs> Why are you telling me of what we, what we were, of who we were? Let's just go in and do what we need to do. But it's important for us to learn. It was important for them to learn. The land that they were given, one, given by God. A promise by God. It is not for them to take by their own strength or merit, but a gift from God. Number two, for them to understand of God's graciousness, even in the midst of all the sin of the previous generation. Forty years is a long time to walk around not knowing what's going to happen. For the people to know that their generation must first die out. For even Moses himself to be, he was upset but obedient to God's call to hand over leadership to Joshua and not to see the land that God had called him to take his people to. In the midst of all that messiness, to see God's graciousness. But number three, to see God's graciousness when they did obey the Lord and they were able to conquer people like Sihon, king of the Amorites, or Og, king of Bashan. And to see when they were obedient to God, God's presence and God's power in the midst. And so God for us is, is trying to remind us of that as well as his people. That as we enter into this world, we don't enter into it with sort of like just things that we can use to fight. Okay, here's just my, I need my cell phone to get information. Here are my keys. I need to get to where I'm going to work. Here's, okay, here's the top, here's my organizer and top 10 things I need to do. He, he doesn't equip you simply with tools to use, but he equips you with knowledge of who you are and what he has done. Do you know that when someone asks you who you are, you should be able to say with certainty that I am a child of God I belong to him. I have no other identity. That is who I am. But just like that previous gen generation who wandered, it's difficult for us to say that for numerous reasons. Let me talk about one. It's difficult for us to see that. It's because we become too much like the world. 
because of our identity has been captured too much like this world. When people around you say, hey, you are the best lawyer I, I know. You are the lawyer. You are the man. Or hey, you're the best basketball player. Or hey, you're the kindest person I know. You are the kindest. That is who you are. We'll call you kind person. And someone asks you who you are, you go, well, I guess I'm the, I'm the good basketball player. Well, who are you? Who are you? Well, I guess I'm the, I'm, I'm the, I'm the lawyer. Who are you? Well, I'm the, I'm the provider. And we get stuck in our heads. And the reason why the Lord allowed us 40 years of suffering was to remind them that's not who you are. But who you are is a child of God. And oftentimes, the only way you can see that is for there to be a huge contrast of who you are and what the world is. Right? It's hard to see that something is, is, is black and white until you can see light. It's hard to see that, you know, this, that, that there's, that, that, uh, uh, it's hard for fish to see that there's that they're breathing water unless they see that there's air. It's hard for us to say that we're children of God unless we see in contrast that everything else is against God and this is who I am. And so these people who are waiting there, God what Moses is trying to, to, to establish there is that this will not be by your strength. This will not be by your power. This is not for you. This is for God and his glory. And God and his power will do this. And so remember who you are. I would love for all of us in the Lord to live such a life here in this world through Christ Jesus that it is apparent that the only identity that I have is that of a child of God. That nothing else can compete with that because the world tells me that I am different and do not belong here. So as they wait to enter, let me say this to you. You wait to enter back into this world. You wait to enter back into the lives of these people who are around you. And God wants you to remember your history. Even if it is for some of you 40 years in the desert, some of you feel that. God has not been there. He has been. His faithfulness has always been with you. But secondly, here in this passage, he talks about in verse 3 that Moses spoke to the people of Israel according to all that the Lord had given them and commanded to them. 
And he goes on to talk about the fact that he, he shares the law with them, or he explains the law in verse 5. Beyond the Jordan, the land of Moab, Moab, Moses undertook to explain this law. And when you read Deuteronomy, you, you see that we have the Ten Commandments once again, and we'll, and we'll go through that a little bit. But one thing that God generously does for us is he doesn't simply just, here in Deuteronomy, just give the Ten Commandments and say, obey. In Exodus, that's what we have. We, we have God giving the Ten Commandments to, to Moses to share with his people. He reads them and people, okay, we're, let's, we, we've got to figure this out. But of course, then the whole golden calf business happened. Now, after 40 years, here they are. And Moses, again, will recount the Ten Commandments. But he does something that's important for us in our day, in our day as well. Is that the Ten Commandments themselves are the general principles. But all the regulations that he talks about through Deuteronomy is simply an explanation or an application of those Ten Commandments. An application of those Ten Commandments. And when we, re when we read them about leprosy and things like that, we're like, this has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with you here today, but it had a lot to do with the people of Israel then. And for us, is when, we, when we see the Ten Commandments that God has given us, and we're ready to, to go back into that world, we, we have to ask ourselves the question. Okay, it says here, right, we should, we, thou shall not murder. What's the application in our world today? What does our Deuteronomy look like, if I can, if I can dare say that? And it's part of what Moses is doing is to expound the law, to, to explain the law. And for us, it's not good enough to simply to look at our history behind. But the purpose of the law and the purpose of Moses' sermon is for us to look ahead. To look behind is to see our identity of who we are. To look at the law is to look ahead and to see how we may proclaim the good news of God and to be his ambassadors to where we are. And so when the Ten Commandments teaches us as God's people, thou shalt not murder. We go and we, we understand that, you know, in Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus expounds upon it, he says that murdering is not simply taking someone's life, but it's really having hatred or even, even beyond that, being indifferent to someone. And then we look in our day of age today and we ask ourselves with Martin Luther King Jr. A holiday coming tomorrow. For us who live in the South, here in Atlanta, Georgia. For the people who are our friends and who are around us who are just image bearers walking around. No, we're, we're not in the North. No, we're not in Asia. No, we're, we're not in the Middle East. No, this is not the 1920s. This is not... But this is what God has given us. This is the historical context that God has given us. And this is the law that God has given us. And so when people look at our lives and look at the life of this church, they'll ask the question. This is really peculiar, I'll say. 
Why is it that CCPC, when they're expounding and talking about that thou shalt not murder, they're talking about how do we give dignity to those of other races? How do we give dignity to people who are different than us? Why is that word dignity so important in this day and age? The historians will look back into this time of Christendom here in the United States and here in the South and, and ask the question, their application to the law. How is it that they were looking to love people, to keep God's purity and sanctity together? And that's what the book of Deuteronomy does. When you read those lists of laws and you, you need to look at them and say, what, are the, what is Moses trying to do to keep the purity of the people but also to help them to, to march forward and be that, 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 that difference in the life of the people in Palestine? So we too, with the law that God has given us, must expound it in our hearts, in our lives, to move forward into this world. Now, no good sermon can end well without talking about Christ himself. We don't live in the Old Testament times. And in fact, as, if you go back and read Deuteronomy over and over again, it's actually a book of failure. It's actually a book of, of, of the people still failing before God, but God's graciousness to them. We know that none of us can remember our history well, who we are. There's too many things competing, and we do our best. We also know that when we go into this world that, that we try to keep his law, we try to, to keep those Ten Commandments, and we, we, we fail. And we start to realize that if, if, we, if we're trying to be Israel, According to Deuteronomy, we, we, will, we will be like that generation who passes away in the wilderness. We, can, we can't do it. We have erected enough golden calves in our lives already. But that's the lesson that God is teaching us. That it's not our abilities to, to follow this, but it's the knowledge that we can't follow this. The, the purpose of the law, as Romans teaches us, is, 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 is a taskmaster, it's a teacher to show us our failures, that we can see that Christ is the only one, the only Israel who can obey the Deuteronomical laws. That in his obedience of it, in his walk with God himself, that he's the only one who's remembered his purpose. That he is the only one who's obeyed the law. That he's the embodiment of sacrificial love to us all. And our duty as God's people is simply know that you're loved. Simply to know that when you look at the other side of the Jordan, you're like, do I really need to cross? There are those of you who could be too fearful. That would be someone like me. 
Now say, no, I'm good. I'll just stay over here, build my little hut, and live here for the rest of your, my lives. For some of you, you'd be like, let's go and take it, man. Let's go and take it. But God says, either way, it's not going to work. But the message is Christ is taking you. In the blink of an eye, you are there. All has been conquered. Sin no longer has a hold of you. But the promise of, 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 a, of a piece of land, if you understand, try to understand it's more than a piece of land, it's, it's my heart and my life. And that God has given that all to you in Christ Jesus. It's for us to trust in him and believe in him. That enables us to walk forward. And so I, I, I ask of you, all of you, remember who you are in Christ. Remember the failures of the past. Remember that in Christ we have all the successes. Look at the future, and yes, there might be fear for you in your future, but know that in Christ that all the, all the fears that you have about your life and what's going to happen have been taken care of by Christ himself. And let us as God's people walk simply in the midst of that grace. Go. Go in love. Go. Go in sacrifice. Go. Go and be God's people. Let's pray.